0: After almost 20 years of marriage, Jared and I have learned a thing or two or hundred, but we have always had a good marriage and I feel very blessed for that. But what we wanted was a great marriage. So today I actually am bringing Jared on to talk about all the things that we've been working on to make that great marriage happen for us. Are you ready to make a change in your life but not sure where to start? Welcome to Moms on the Rise, where we believe that as moms and as women, we can choose to create a life we love. I'm Camille Beckstrand, a mindset coach and a fellow mom on this journey of rising up in all areas of our lives. So join me and let's rise together. Welcome back to Moms on the Rise. Today's episode was actually one that Jared and I recorded for the podcast that I do with my sisters, which is so fun. We take turns doing episodes. It's called Table Talk for Moms. But as Jared and I recorded this conversation, it was just such a good conversation that I thought, you know what? I want to share it here as well. So that's what today's all about. Let's jump in. For those of you who don't know, I'm the oldest in our family. So Jared was the first brother-in-law to join our family.
1: First brother-in-law. When I first came onto the scene, the youngest was seven. The youngest sister was seven years old. I have watched these ladies grow up. It's been a joy.
0: Yes. (laughs) A joy, an adventure,
1: all the above. Joy is the first word that comes to my mind.
0: (laughs) But I think that they look up to you a lot as an older brother too. So today our conversation is going to be about The things that you and I have learned over the past 20 years, we are coming up on our 20th wedding anniversary, which is so crazy because we're only 30 years old.
1: We got married when we were 10. It's weird. (laughs) I don't know.
0: We are getting up there in years, both in age and in our marriage. But what I think is that with every year that passes by, our marriage gets better and better. And I think some people have even said to us like oh you guys are lucky you have such a good marriage you're just so lucky and the thought that comes to mind is oh honey there is no luck involved it's because you and i have put in a lot of work to make our marriage what it is today and we've always had a good marriage and for that we're blessed but we did the work to make it a great marriage even like an extraordinary marriage and it's something that i wish everybody could have
1: Couldn't agree more. One of my favorite quotes, I'm going to misquote, I think it was Mark Twain, but don't take my word for it. The harder I work, the luckier I get. And it's so interesting, like a lot of people will see, I mean, like I think even like the success of the Six Sisters Company, for example, oh, you girls are so lucky. What nobody sees is the behind the scenes and the long hours and the preparation and the amount of work that actually goes into that. And I feel it's the same way. Think about athletics. Think about like an amazing athlete out there. You look at them and say, oh my gosh, they're so lucky that they're so gifted. What you didn't see was the hours that they put in in the gym. And I feel like marriage, I feel like relationships, even the relationship that you have with yourself can be the same way that really the harder you work on it, the quote unquote luckier you appear to be.
0: And I think it's so true. You and I have invested a lot in our marriage and investing can be a lot of different forms. Absolutely. For us, I would say it's the work and the time that we spend on specifically working on our relationship and our marriage, but also money can play a part in that too. It doesn't have to, but...
1: There are a lot of great resources out there. Courses, books, coaches. Yeah, absolutely.
0: Yes, and so it's that investment that we have put into it and the hard work that we have done on this relationship that has paid off in droves. And so today we wanted to talk about a couple of those things that we have learned and a couple of those things that we have done to get our relationship to where it is today. And I hope that my goal in sharing this is to just maybe if one of you is feeling like, okay, I'm in a good marriage, but I want something more. I'm hoping you can take something from this and apply it to your life and to your marriage. And hopefully up your relationship just a tiny bit more as well.
1: So you ready for this? I think so. Let's (laughs) do it. No, and I love that intro. And I feel like you hit it right on the head. We've always had a really good marriage, but there are things that we have done that have taken that to great. And so if that's your goal, if that's the outcome that you're after, if you want to take whatever relationship that you have right now and improve on it, hopefully these things that we share will help you out.
0: Okay, so here we go. We're going to be sharing four things today. So the first thing is that you have to work on yourself to show up as your best self in your marriage. And this was something I actually worked with a relationship, a marriage coach for a little while, and I thought... What it would take for you and I to up our relationship would be you and I sitting down with this coach together, me telling her, okay, these are all the things Jared needs to work on. And Jared telling her, these are the things Camille needs to work on
1: and then finding like a happy medium yeah. finding a way that both of us were going to do all those things right
0: we meet somewhere in the middle and it's a compromise and what was so fascinating is i was the one to meet with her first and kind of talk to her and she outlined it as like okay we're going to do all this work on you first and i thought me wait what? no this but no, wait 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 this is a marriage help this is a relationship like my husband's the one that needs help i'm only half of the thing here but what was so fascinating to me is she said no like You have to work on yourself first. You have to strengthen yourself first. And then you bring your best self to the marriage. And so we've seen that play out, you and I.
1: I think, let me jump in. One of my favorite stories to illustrate this point, it's just a quick little anecdote. A married couple is sitting in their kitchen and the wife looks out the window at the neighbors and she sees their car and she's like, oh, their car is so dirty. Why don't they wash their car? And then the next day they wake up again and it's the same conversation. The wife looks out the window and says, oh my gosh, I can't believe how dirty their car is. And then the third day she wakes up and she says, oh, oh, look, like their car, they finally washed their car. Their car looks so good. And the husband says, actually, honey, I woke up early this morning and washed our windows. And like just the idea that has always resonated with me of what does your window look like? What is the work that you can control? I can't control Camille's actions as much as I would love to. (laughs) Nothing that I do or say can control Camille's actions. What I can control is what I do. And what I can control is the work that I put in on myself. And I've always been one who's loved fitness and health. And like I understand if I feed myself right and I exercise right, I'm going to reap those rewards. But Camille's the one who you really showed me like, If you do the mental work and if you do the emotional work on yourself, you can grow to places that you can't imagine that you can be right now. And so like definitely your example showed me that path for sure.
0: I think that's such a good point is that when you start to do that deep work, that hard work on yourself, whether it's physical, mental, emotional, spiritual, whatever that hard work is, people around you notice. They're going to notice the changes and it's going to take time and it will be subtle but it rubs off on the people around you, and like I can think of times like you have always rubbed off on me. I used to be someone who was content eating three bowls of cereal a
1: day. Oh my gosh! I, you're throwing it way back. Oh my gosh! Yeah, when we first got when we first got married. Oh yeah, I'd ask, I'd come home, I hey, what's for dinner? And she'd be like, Oh, I had a bowl of cereal, so I'm good. And I'm like, Wait a second, no, like, where's the chicken? Where's the potatoes? Where's? <laughs> That's so funny. Or the other one was, oh, I had a half a peanut butter and jam. And I was like, okay, so you had a snack. What are we having for dinner?
0: Oh, was so funny about that. And I'm selling myself out here. For the first three years of our
1: marriage, Jared did most of the cooking. And Jared taught me a lot. Guys, hold on. We have that on tape now. We have that recorded. You guys, she owns a huge, successful recipe website and company. But my claim to fame is I taught her to cook. (laughs)
0: <laughs> you really did. What you taught me was that it was okay to prepare food for myself. I grew up in a big family. You make big family meals. But then when I moved out on my own in college, I didn't know how to cook for one. Sure. And then when we first got married and before we had kids those couple of years, like I didn't know how to cook for just two. And I thought, well, if I'm not cooking for a whole family, what's the point? But you taught me how to cook and those basic things like a food and preparing food for just yourself or just one or two people. And it rubbed off onto me. And then your passion for fitness and physical health, like if you are living with someone who is always taking care of their body by exercising and eating well, like it rubs off onto you. And so I was always grateful for that because you did that work on yourself. It rubbed off onto me. And then when I started doing this journey of figuring out my mental health and showing up and taking care of it and leveling up who I want to become, I feel like that rubbed off onto you.
1: Absolutely. You gave your example. Now it's my turn to give mine. Because, yeah, I could not agree more. And I feel like this was really the start of something special for us. And there were some things that happened, obviously, like in your life that pushed you to take this massive action. But as you started taking those steps, like I remember like you would come home and you would just be, on fire with a certain principle, be like, Jared, this is what we learned about today. This is what she taught me. And look how cool this is.
0: You're talking about me coming home from therapy. Correct.
1: Yeah. You would come home from a therapy session and just be on fire. And it was impossible not to be affected by that. Your zest and your zeal was like absolutely contagious And I would look at that and, you know, she would explain a principle to me and be like, "Okay, well, how can I apply that in my life? And I would start to identify these areas in my own actions and in my own behaviors and my own patterns. And I would say, oh, my gosh, yeah, I have some room for improvement there. And then I jumped into self-help books. And oh, my gosh, if you guys saw our Audible subscription right now, honestly, like it is just a wealth of knowledge. I have Camille directly to blame for that. I said blame, I meant thank. (laughs) I have Camille to thank for that because she's the one who got me started down that path. And again, it wasn't her saying, hey, Jared, I learned this today, you should do this. It was her just saying, hey, this is what I learned about today and here's how it's gonna affect me. And here's how I'm going to change. Here's how I am going to show up differently. All of her talk, all of her behavior around that was in the first person. Like, here's how I can do this better. Here's how I can show up better. And just from that, I was so inspired to take those same principles and assess my own behaviors and say, okay, well, how can I do that too? And how can I show a better in that way? And then like we would geek out about it together. And then we'd be like, oh my gosh, this is what I did. Oh my gosh, this is what I learned. It's become so much fun to work on ourselves individually, but then to have that spill over into the relationship has made a world of difference.
0: Ah, I love that. And you wrote down, I wanted to share this and you can share your take on it too. And this is something that you and I have both learned. It only takes one person to save a marriage. Yes. And absolutely.
1: do you believe that? Oh, 100%. Yeah. We have some really good friends who are our marriage counselors and relationship counselors and sell a course and everything. And that's like, it's one of their favorite saying there's really, it only takes one person to change a relationship. What's just fascinating is, you know, in the other note that I have written down here is it takes you, it goes from, I wish they would do blank, or I wish that they would show up, they being the other person in the relationship. I wish the other person in the relationship would start to do this. I wish they would start to feel that way. I wish they would start to say this more. But you don't have any control over that. And what you have control over are your actions and your behaviors and your thoughts around those behaviors. And so I think one of the things that made a world of difference for me was going from, oh, I wish that she would do this to how can I do blank? How can I show up better for her? What does she need right now? And how can I be that person and that husband? And I feel like that's made a world of difference. I don't know. What are your thoughts about that?
0: I think that's so good because I always used to think, how can I fix you? How can I change you? When I should have been turning inwardly and thinking, how can I change me to show up better in this marriage and show up better in this relationship? Now, here's the thing. This doesn't always apply if you're in an abusive relationship. absolutely, Or if you're in a relationship where you're not safe.
1: Yes, 100%.
0: You can't fix that relationship. And I highly, highly, highly recommend that you seek out help and seek professional guidance in that situation. But outside of those relationships... This definitely applies.
1: And I guess another way we could say that is showing up better looks different for everyone. Mm, Yeah. And like as hard as that may be, sometimes like showing up as best as you can for yourself means taking those really hard actions to change your relationship. Fortunately for us, it just meant improving ourselves to improve our relationship. But sometimes you might have to take those hard steps. Definitely.
0: Okay. So that was the first one. Working on yourself. The second thing that we have learned is understanding
1: love languages. Oh, this is oh, such a good one. Really made Oh, so- my gosh. <laughs> this whole part of our journey, this made such a difference. This was fun.
0: This made such a difference. So if you've ever heard of the book, The Five Love Languages, I think it's by Gary Chapman. It's a well, well, well-known book. Millions and millions and millions of people have read it and swear by it. And so we read it and we took the love languages test and we figured out my love language which is like quality time words of affirmation jared's love language his is more physical touch and also quality time but someone once said these love languages are a foreign language like jared speaks one language he speaks let's say croatian and i speak german and the way that we talk to each other we weren't understanding and so i just figured we'd take these love language tests and then jared would know The way he needs to talk to me to show love is words of affirmation or quality time. And I just thought, all right, now that he knows that, he's going to do that. (laughs) And let's say, because I speak German and Jared does not, it was still very much a foreign language. And I was kind of frustrated when I felt like, oh, he knows my love language. Why is he not showing up that way? (laughs) And we have learned that's not how love languages work. You learn each other's love language. So that you know when they are trying to speak love to you in their language.
1: Oh, and that isn't mic drop podcast over. If you take nothing else from this, just remember that. Because I remember like early on in our relationship, I guess uh, the example that comes to my mind is I would come home with flowers. I would bring home flowers like at the end of my day at work and I'd show up and I'd pop down this bouquet and be like, ta-da, love me now, right? And Camille would look at it and it's kind of like, oh, those are beautiful. Thank you. And then kind of go back to what she was doing. And it was kind of like, wait, no, like, wait, those are flowers. That's love, right? Where's my embrace? Where's my kiss? Where's 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 my makeout? Where's my, (laughs) (laughs) that's not why I was bringing, well, it might be a little bit why I was bringing (laughs) home flowers. What I learned is that, yeah, it was missing the mark because what I should have done is instead of taking those 15 minutes to stop at the florist and buy flowers, I should have come home and spent 15 minutes with Camille and like just spent time talking to her and like asking how her day was. and Just that, again, the words and the quality time is what makes the biggest difference to her. And so that's something that we've tried to incorporate in our marriage. And Camille hit it right on the head. Like That works to a degree, but there comes a time when you realize, oh my gosh, them doing those things is them trying to show up for you and kind of recognizing that more or less for what it's worth. And so definitely there's a lot to be said for understanding each other's love languages, but take it superficially. I don't think we've learned that it's not like the end all be all and like there's nothing like written in stone that that's how it has to be. I think the biggest thing that you take from that is you learn more about the other person. Yeah, You simply learn more about how they function and how they behave and how their thoughts process. And then from that, you have a better understanding of what they're saying when they're more or less not even saying it.
0: Exactly. And I feel like, too, you're more dialed in to, oh, they're trying to show me or tell me they love me. Whereas, like, for example, let's just say, because you are a more physical touch guy. And so like, I think a
1: lot of guys out there and like, like statistics show if you read Chapman's book, like he mentions that a lot of males tend to be a little more physical dominant.
0: Not all. Certainly not all. No, not all. And but because for me, that is the Out of all five, that's the last one on my list. And so you would come in and, like, wrap your arms around me or whatever, pinch my butt, whatever. And, like, that was you showing you loved me. But for me, I was like, oh, why is he doing that?
1: Lay off. Come on. (laughs) Give me some breathing room. We're talking to moms, right? (laughs) Ladies. Are you just touched touched out? Out? I don't understand that phrase, but Camille uses it a lot. Like I am touched out. At the end of the day, I've had kids crawling all over me. The last thing I want is my husband crawling all over me. I can feel you laughing. Those of you who are listening to this right now, I can feel you laughing through the microphone. That's great.
0: So I had to learn. Like, oh my gosh, that is Jared showing that he loves me. And even now, like even last week, we had that conversation of, oh. That's you showing me that you love me. Like for me, I one of my favorite ways to show my family I love them is to make them dinner. I love to make dinner for my family. That's something that I do every day and it's just such a way that fulfills me and just makes me feel like, "Oh, you can eat this love. It is so good." Taste my love. It's delicious. <laughs> Sometimes they're after dinner, everybody just gets up, leaves the table. Nobody says thanks, and I'm this person just waiting, like, please, like, somebody wait, say that thank was you. my love. That was my love. This is me showing up, trying to love you. And I think Jared recognizing, like, oh, this is how Camille's showing her love to me and to our family. And you're really good now about always, hey, thanks so much for dinner, and you say it in front of the kids. Yeah, and I just love that because you're setting a good example. For them, by showing them this is how you think someone, but then also you're speaking to my love language of just making sure that I'm seen. And I think that's a big part of knowing your partner's love language is just making sure that they are seen, showing up the way that they are. And it takes effort because it's a foreign language to you.
1: Yes, absolutely. And I feel like doing that in a way, too, that kind of cues the kids into exactly what's going on. Because sometimes I try to bring it up. I mean, it's one thing for me to say, oh, my gosh, babe, this was a delicious meal. Thank you so much. Like, this is great. Sometimes I'll even try to bring it up and just be like, oh, my gosh, you guys, what would you think of dinner? And then kind of let that conversation roll out where the kids say, oh, my gosh, yeah, it was so good. And then the next cue is usually, aren't we so lucky to have our mom? Oh, yeah, thanks, mom. Just kind of teaching the kids maybe what that needs to look like. As Well, I think has been really important, which brings us into I'm going to segue into our next okay. one, because okay. honestly, this is one that completely changed the game. Well, before we move off of that, if you want to learn more about love languages, we love there's a website five love It's just the number five love That's Gary Chapman's website. That's where you can show up. You can take a free test to learn what your love language is. And at the very least, I would encourage you to do that. But if you want to take it a step further, show up with your husband, spouse, fiance, boyfriend, whoever it is, show up with them and have them take that quiz as well. It's such a simple way to improve your relationship immediately. So I love that. But then moving into the next point, the next thing we have is communication. And this has morphed over the course of our marriage so much and i wrote down a story and i want you to tell it is you want me to tell it yeah tell this is so great this is when we first got married
0: first married and we were living in a little apartment and money was super tight and so i felt like when we went grocery shopping it was pretty much bare bones bare essentials we didn't we were getting all store brand things but it's fine i still do but like It was, we were on a tight budget.
1: And, and you've all been there before. we have all been there. Newlywed in yeah. college, like trying oh, to the figure out a living. Oh, those are special times.
0: Yes. It's just, oh, some of my favorite memories. But growing up, my family always used soft butter. The butter, butter in, in a, a tub. tub. Yeah. It has sometimes it's like oil or something else mixed with it so that it's soft, like spreadable from the Spread- fridge. Yes. And so that's what we used growing up. And little did I know. Jared's family also used that growing up. And so we get married and we
1: bought... Whoever that was. I don't even know who it was, but yeah, we bought sticks of butter butter. or something.
0: Probably because like to make cookies or something, you need sticks of (laughs) butter. So we bought that butter and then you need butter for bread or rolls or whatever you're spreading it on and... Whenever I would go to like, spread butter on my roll, we only had stick butter. and so stick
1: butter. To, like, that stuff doesn't spread?
0: It doesn't spread from the fridge. You have to microwave it a little bit. Then it melts into a puddle. And, and so we lived this way for how long?
1: It was years. It was years. probably like two or three years that we were married.
0: And both of us just being
1: like, oh, I wish we had soft butter. <laughs> Every time we'd pull the butter out, there was the thought of, oh, I sure do miss that soft butter. <laughs> That's
0: Incredible <laughs> soft butter in a tub. And
1: I don't know it was, how it came. It out. was me. And it was oh. one day, I remember it vividly, you guys. <laughs> I can tell you the date. No, I can't tell you the date. But one day I pulled that out and, like, in true newlywed fashion of completely not knowing how to talk to your new wife, it was just this moment of, honey, do you think maybe one day we could maybe buy a tub of butter instead of a stick of butter?
0: And I just remember being like, wait, you like soft butter? I (laughs) I like like soft butter. (laughs) butter. And we went like two or three
1: years. And two years, you guys. Oh, my God. Suffering (laughs) with our butter. (laughs) Like, if that's as bad as life was, like, that's pretty good. But But the analogy is true.
0: Yeah. Like, finding because we never communicated about it for all these years. We suffered in silence even though we knew it could be better on the other side, but we just didn't know how to express what we wanted. And we have learned a lot about how to communicate with each other. And we learned not only do you have to say what it is that you need, because that's so important, is that you have to express your needs. Not only your needs about food or butter or time to yourself or what it is you need or intimacy needs or whatever that needs to be. That's half of it. The other half is you have to listen. And I feel like it almost has to be, what's the word? Like a passionate listen. Like you have to- Compassionate listen. us called a compassionate listening. Passionate yeah. listening. Mm-hmm. Like you have to really eyes on eyes and really listening to what the other person says. And that's what real communication is, is that- Expressing your needs and then listening and not talking while they express theirs in return.
1: As I think about this, as we wrap this, as we put a bow on this, what's your soft butter? What is your soft butter? What's the conversation that you need to have? And I feel like in most marriages, you know what that is. If I were to ask you right now, like, what's the conversation that you need to have with your husband? Nine ladies out of 10 would be able to give me an answer immediately about that. I need to talk to him about this or I'd love to talk to him about this. I wish he knew more about this. Right. And so just I think there's a lot to be said for having the courage to have that hard conversation. And this is something that I feel like you and I do really well. Yeah. And I, well, let me correct myself. This is something that you and I have gotten a lot better at. Yeah. Because it's not easy at first. It's not easy to sit your spouse down and just be like, hey, you know what? I've had something on my mind. I just want to talk to you about it. And to come at it, you have to come at it from a place of "I." That's another thing that Mm. we've learned, too. Hey, this is how I feel. And sometimes when you do this, that makes me feel this way. And I know you probably don't mean it like that, but I'm just wondering, hey, can you help me How Can you help me to understand better what you mean when you say this or when you act this certain way? Or you mentioned the big one for us. I mean, like intimacy. When was the last time you talked to your significant other about your love life? It's something that I feel like is so taboo in our society, but it needs to be discussed with your significant other. And like, hey, when you say this or when you do that, this is how that makes me feel. Those are conversations that we've had. And what I love about those hard conversations and speaking about you, about Camille and about our relationship It's just like anything in life. that The more reps you get under your belt, the easier it becomes. Like think about strengthening a muscle, right? Let's say I do a bench press. And if I do a bench press enough times, I'm going to be able to handle more weight or I'm going to be able to do it more regularly. The exact same thing happens with anything in life, but especially with these tough conversations. Maybe let's not call them tough conversations. Let's have like sensitive conversations, the conversations that, again, you know, need to take place but are maybe hard to kind of get into. But the more that you do them, the easier it becomes. Because more often than not, what you're going to hear from the other person was, oh my gosh, I had no idea that you felt that way because I feel this way. And again, getting back to love languages, if you're both speaking a different language about the same thing, you're not going to understand it on the deep, call it intimate level that should exist between a husband and wife. And the more practice that you get, the more reps that you put in having those conversations, the easier those become. And I think that that's something that's definitely something that I've learned from you. Camille's really good about kind of saying, hey, you know what? Can we talk about this for a second? This is how I feel. And can you just clarify this up for me? Honestly, coming from a husband, I love those conversations. And the hard conversations are the ones that mean the most to me. Because yeah, they're hard to go through and they might not be very comfortable, but to get to the other side, it means so much more in order to appreciate the peak of the mountain. Sometimes you have to go through that valley. But when you have that hard conversation and you get to the peak on the other side, it's so much brighter and it's so much grander. And I feel like our relationship changed or has changed because of that in such a way that the love is deeper between us. I don't know if you feel the same way.
0: Oh, absolutely. And We didn't just start having these sensitive conversations and having them just increase our relationship and make us closer together. Like it took a lot of practice.
1: I mean, this is, again, from where we're coming from, this is 20 years of experience. I mean, it doesn't happen overnight, but But the first step can happen overnight. The first step happens now, and it's that
0: tiny little step that moves you in that direction. I think another thing that you're really good about or you've learned to be really good about is not trying to fix it. A lot of times I just need someone to hear me. I just need someone to listen. And you're really good about just listening. And maybe you weren't always at the beginning because you're a fixer. And it's like, let me tell you how to fix this. Like, this is easy. Let's do ABC and then you'll get XYZ. And it's like, wait, no, I don't need that. I need you to listen to this.
1: Again, like the stereotypical man, like when someone comes to me with a problem and I have a solution. That's what I do. Okay, I can fix that. You just need to do this. You need to start to do that. Certainly something that I have learned about you is that sometimes it's not about the solution. It's just about the feeling. It's just about kind of getting that out. I mean, like just getting all of those feelings from within to outside so that they're out in the open. And I feel like thoughts and feelings in general the more we leave them inside our brains inside our hearts the more they tend to swell and grow and intensify but as soon as you say them out loud especially if you say them out loud to another person all of a sudden it starts to make a world of difference regardless of solution i don't know if you want to talk about the nail hair did you want to mention that (laughs) oh can. it's one of our all-time favorite youtube videos if you jump on youtube and search it's not about the nail it's one of our favorites.
0: It's a Saturday Night Live skit. It's an old
1: one. It's Yeah, it's an old comedy skit.
0: Yeah, an old one. But it's just basically this woman that's sitting on the couch telling her husband how bad her head hurts and she has this splitting headache and just, I'm in so much pain. And then the camera like pans around and you see she's got a nail in her huge like railroad spikes yes, sticking out of her good. head. And the husband's like, just pull out the nail it's like yeah if we just grab that nail out of there yeah pulled it right out and she just i think she out it's not yeah. about the nail stop
1: this is not <laughs> about the nail if you it's hilarious, it's hilarious. sorry spoiler <laughs> alert now that we've yeah, now it, we have spoiled it oh, we it, but it's funny to watch
0: but we have used that so many times in our lives and even sometimes you will say to me when i'm like in the like moment you, yes i've got this problem and then and then and, 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 and you'll say is it about the nail? And I will say yes or no. Like, uh-huh. yeah, yes, it's about the nail. Tell me how to fix yeah. it. Or, What's the solution? Yeah, what, what would you do? recommend? Yeah. And other times I'm like, no. And he knows. OK, yeah. just listen.
1: Yeah. Just be there. Yep. Yeah. That means as much to you as the solution in many cases, oh, absolutely. If, if not even more, actually. And sometimes it just saying it out loud helps
0: diffuse the situation or leads me to my own solution. So powerful. So needed is that communication. Absolutely. Okay. The last thing that I wanted to mention is just putting each other as your number one. This has been so important for Jared and I, especially as we've had kids, especially when it comes to family members and parents and everything else. We are each other's number one. Absolutely. And everyone around us knows that because of the way that we treat each other, because of the way we talk about each other in public. Sometimes you know how you get together with a group of girlfriends and it becomes a place where they start sharing all the things they dislike about their husband, which sometimes you need that sounding board. You need someone to listen, but
1: you should air your frustration for sure.
0: Yes. And have a safe place to do that. But that is something that I would never do because Jared is my number one. Now, not to say that like when we're in therapy or working through a problem or a situation, like those things will come up, but they are also a safe private place.
1: And I think with that, like one of the safest rules to follow there is don't say anything about your significant other behind their back that you haven't already said to them. If you wouldn't say it in front of their face or if you haven't at least brought that up to their face, like it's probably not a good idea to talk about behind their back or with another group.
0: Absolutely. Another way that this applies is just showing by example to our kids what a healthy and happy and fulfilling marriage looks like and we frequently tell our children your dad is my best friend you guys are my very good friends but dad is my best friend and dad's my number one and i'll always pick dad first.
1: Absolutely. And one of the things, and I say this to my kids all the time, and I say this to Camille all the time, one thing that my kids will always, always know and that they will always remember is that their dad loves their mom dearly. He loves her passionately and that he would do anything for her. That's a sentence that I say in front of my kids because as I want them growing older and moving out, if they remember anything about their childhood, I want them to remember that their dad loves their mom. And I think that that's always been priority number one with me. And so like, no matter what comes up, no matter how tired I am, no matter how frustrated I am, what else is going on, as I keep that as my number one goal to set that example and to show you that love, not just to say it, but to actually show it. That makes all the difference to me. And I hope that that's something that they remember, it makes all the difference to them as well.
0: I appreciate that. Well, both of us have done this. There's that scripture, cleave unto your wife. Mm. You even, once you gave me a set of scriptures and you highlighted that verse in there and just said, I choose you. I choose you as my wife. I've always been grateful because from the moment we said our vows and got married that you have, you have always chosen me. I come before your parents. I come before your siblings. I come before your coworkers. I come before our kids. And I feel the same way about you. You come first because I chose you. I am cleaving onto you because it's you and me. And I'm grateful that we see our marriage and our relationship in that light because I feel like that's what's made it how strong it is today.
1: Absolutely. And then I think, too, like, It's one thing to make that choice, but then it's another thing to act in accordance with that belief. And so I'm curious, what are some ways that we show up for each other? What are some ways that we put each other as number one? I've got a few that have come to my mind. Okay, you go first. Okay. So I mean, date night. Oh, yeah. Like, and we have And one of the best tips, I can't remember where we first heard it, but this is a practice that we adopted very early in our relationship, is to make date night a priority. Now, again, it looks very different depending on what stage of life you're in. And when we had newborns and toddlers at home, date night was a lot of times just sitting on the couch and talking or even putting on like a little sitcom and watching the sitcom or we would sit out on our back patio and just hang out with each other. Date night does not have to be going out and spending money or things like that. Now, we have progressed in our relationship. You guys, our oldest is 16 now. It is a whole new world. And she is driving and she can drive herself places and she can drive her siblings places. We have a chauffeur now and it's (laughs) been But along with that, we also have built-in babysitters. And our kids have gotten a little older where it has enabled us to go out and to do some fun things and hang out with friends and things like that. But what I'm saying is make each other a priority. Make date night a priority. Make time with each other and spending time with each other a priority in your relationship. What do you think? Does anything come to your mind?
0: I love that. I think it's just in
1: the little things
0: every day. You show that you choose me in just your actions, that you check in with me throughout the day. And when our kids are, when a one kid comes and asks, mom, can I do this? And I say no. And then they run to you. You're always like, well, what did your mother say? Because we're a team and we've got each other's backs and I just love how you choose that and show up for me. You always check with me before we do a family event or before we go on vacation or whatever it is that we're doing with like extended family. And you just check in with me and just make sure, hey, is this okay or does this work or how can we make this better for you? Or you just are so good to check in with me first because I'm your number one and you're my number one.
1: Awesome. One of my favorite quotes Tony Robbins one time said, if you treat someone in your present relationship, you did in the beginning of your relationship, there will never be an end to that relationship. And what I love about that is think about the time when you very first met your husband, there was nothing that you wouldn't do for him and your heart skipped a beat whenever he came around and you love to spend time with him and to talk and to serve and to do all of those things. If you keep that in mind, Again, the law of familiarity, the more familiar we become with a person or a circumstance, the less special it becomes. But if you try to remember at least how you felt in the beginning of that relationship and act accordingly, it makes a world of difference. And that's certainly something that I've tried to adapt. And I know that Camille has done the same thing as well.
0: I love thinking back to those first days of our relationship because we were so wildly in love. absolutely. But like we've talked about before, like this love that we experience now is different because it's so deep. And I think that's the goal is to be able to have those crazy butterflies in your stomach about each other, but then also love each other on a new deep level that you can only have after years of experience and years of hard work. And I think that's a good place to wrap it up.
1: I agree. Absolutely yeah well thank you so much for joining us thank today. you this is so fun this is we'll fun. do it again you'll have to let us know ladies let us know if this resonated with anybody share it with your husbands like it'd be cool yeah. to hear their thoughts on this but i would come back anytime okay well
0: we'll have you back soon then maybe i know because we actually came up with a huge list of other things so we'll be back with other parts. well thank you so much for joining us today and we'll see you next time Thank you so much for listening to the Moms on the Rise podcast. This podcast is brought to you by the Mommy Tummy Fix program. If you are interested in learning more about how to take care of your body from a place of love, head over to the MommyTummyFix.com and join our community of over 10,000 women who are finding ways to live a complete and healthy life, one small choice at a time. If you enjoyed this episode, please leave a review, a rating, and follow along so that you don't miss a single conversation. Keep on rising!